Morning Life Church. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. That's very kind. It's good to be back with you again uh, through this long, arduous cold that we've had. Thank God he's brought us through. Amen. Everyone say amen for that. First of the year, I thought it would uh, behoove us to look at a scripture verse that talks about new beginnings. So I've chosen uh, one verse that's very dear to me, one that I took to heart uh, many, many years ago. Comes out of 2 Corinthians. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen right there. And uh, we'll get right into it. This is the text for today. There, if any, <clears throat> excuse me, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. The old things passed away, and behold, the new things have come. Or another translation says, behold, all things have become new. Let me break that down just a little bit for you and then give you a little personal background of that. To help us understand what that verse is saying, let's focus in on a few of the key phrases. The idea of being in Christ is probably the most common way the scriptures use to describe being a Christian. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he told his disciples, listen guys, I've been able to do everything I've done and I am who I am because the Father's in me and I'm in the Father. That's how this all works. That's why it all works. That's how it all works, why it does. That's why there's power. That's why there's healing. That's why there's life. The Father dwells in me and I'm in the Father. And he said, I'm going to leave you. Don't feel bad about that because if I don't go away, the Spirit's not coming. But when he comes, he's going to bring life to you. He's going to be in you and you're going to be in him. He's going to be my representative, and you're going to live in the Spirit just like I lived in the Father. So life in the Father, life in the Son, life in the Spirit, life in Christ, that's what a Christian life is. And so we can say that we follow Christ, and we certainly do. That's true. But the most biblical way to talk about being a Christian is being in Christ and having Christ in us. And so when it says, therefore, if any man's in Christ, it says this. It basically means, have you made Jesus Christ Lord? Have you confessed him? as Lord and Savior? Have you believed the testimony of his report? Have you believed the gospel? You see, this is very good news, isn't it? This is very wonderful good news. It was to me, and I'll explain why in a minute. But this is very good news. But the fundamental center of the good news is that Jesus Christ came as a man from heaven, went to the cross, bore our sins, redeemed us from a life of sin, reconciled us to the person of his Father, God, was buried fought the good fight, was risen again by the power of God. The grave could not hold him. Death could not keep him. He was raised at the right hand of the Father, and the Scripture says we are raised with him. We're baptized. If Paul says in Romans 6, if any man is baptized in Christ, right, he's been baptized into his death so that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the newness and the glory of God, so he should be raised in newness of life. We're buried with him. We're baptized in him. We're raised with him, seated with him. We're in Christ. And so that's what a Christian is. And so if you've made that confession of faith, if you've believed that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you've chosen to follow him and give your life to him, to trust him, you're in Christ. And there's good news for you. Old things have passed away. You're a new creature. That's the second thing I want to point out. Not just that we get a do-over as ourselves, not just that we're trying to be better as people, but we're a new creature. We're a new creation. Paul says, or excuse me, Peter says, 
that we've been born again. Jesus tells Nicodemus that that's what we have to do. We have to be born again. That's the same thing that Paul's talking about here, being a new creature is being born again. And Peter says that we're born again the same way the Word was created, the world was created by the Word of God. When God spoke by His Word into this world, into this dark, chaotic world, and spoke light and life and truth and creation, it's the same power, it's the same idea that you and I have been changed and transformed by the Word of God. We're new creatures just like this world was a new creation by the Word of God. We're not the same people just trying to do it better. We're different people. Now, we may not be different on the outside. We're the same person because we have the same body when we met Christ. Our circumstances might not have changed. Our political situation, our economic situation might not have changed. But fundamentally, we're new creations. We're new creatures. And that means that God has acted upon us from the outside. It's not something we've done to ourselves. You don't make yourself a new creation any more that the light made itself the light or the water made itself separate or the land sprouted seed. God acted upon it by his powerful word. He acted upon it to make it new. And so you and I have been acted upon if we put our faith in Jesus by the word of God so that we might be fundamentally new and different people. And that's good news, isn't it? That's good news. And behold now, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And like I said, Paul is not talking about old physical things. When Paul talks about new things or all things, he qualifies or quantifies what he's talking about. Paul in 2 Corinthians is talking about spiritual things. He's talking about spiritual realities, of which we're going to talk about four this morning. Four new things have come to pass. We've come from death into life. We've come from darkness into light. We've come from the flesh into the spirit. And we've come from sin into righteousness. Four things have passed away, death, darkness, flesh, and sin are old and to be put off. Life, light, spirit, and righteousness are new. They're new things that we were not acquainted with prior to our new creation. We were unaware that they existed. We were unfamiliar with them uninitiated to their reality, to their presence. Let me give you a little background there. In 1981, I was a student at a Midwestern University. I was exactly as Paul describes me in, second, excuse me, in Ephesians, uh, the second chapter. Anybody remember that description? And you who were what? Dead in your trespasses and your sins. I was dead. I was a dead man walking. Yes, physically vibrant. I was a football player. I was healthy. I was athletic, but spiritually dead. I was a black hole. When we talk about death, we talk about the reality of death in the sense that as we live in death, as we are dead, we are consumers, parasites rather than givers. And that's exactly what I was. I'll talk about that in a minute. I was someone who things came into and nothing went out of. I had uh, a life that I considered as a wrecking ball. I was death. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Life on this planet is a life of death. We may say that we're alive. We may use that word, but it's not the way the Scripture uses that word. Jesus says, I've come that you might have what? Might have life. 
and have it more abundantly. And so when the world talks about life, they're not talking about the life that Jesus has. They're not talking about the new thing, the new life that comes from heaven. They're talking about a life that is of this earth, a life that is, that is indeed death in its sense, a consumerist life, a life that sucks life out of others, a life that embraces death in itself. We live in a death culture, right? Because men are dead in the spirit, because they have born the sin and the penalty of their first man, their first father, Adam. For when he sinned in the garden, what is it said? Remember what God said to Adam? That you can eat any tree of the garden except one and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do, in the day you do eat that tree, what will happen? You will surely die. Exactly. Death. You will taste death. And Paul will say in the sixth chapter of Romans, you can put up that verse, that all died because all sinned. But now, because we're new, we're not to present our members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present ourselves to God as those who've been brought from where? From death to life. We've been brought from death to life. At 21, I was dead. I was unable to make things work. I was unable to have any power over my own actions. I had no self-control. It was like a switch without any power to it. You could turn it on, but nothing happened. Nothing came out of me that was good. Nothing came out of me that was life. Nothing came out of me that was affirming. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. I walked according, as Paul says, to the course of this world, according to the prince of the air, who is at work in all the sons of disobedience, right? And if you don't believe that death is the commonality or the common condition of all men, you need only look at our world to recognize in every place of the globe there is a culture of death. Whether it's a culture of war, whether it's a culture of murder, whether it's a culture of abortion, whether it's a culture of suicide, whether it's a culture of addiction, whether it's a culture of overdose, whether it's a culture of famine that is preventable, whether it's a culture of accident that's preventable, disease by death that's preventable, everywhere you look on this globe, there's death. Because man, the scripture says, is born dead because of his first, Adam, his first father. And we all enter into that. But in Christ, all are alive in Adam, in the first Adam, because Adam sinned, and subsequently everyone sinned from Adam. We're in death, but in Christ it says we're now brought from death to life. And this is something that we haven't done ourselves, right? It's not something that we're able to do in our own power. It's not something we're able to do in our own strength. When I was 21 and I'd made a wreck of my life because I was dead, because I was dead walking into other dead people when I'd made a wreck of it, I said to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you can do anything with this life, I give it to you because there is nothing good in it. As Paul would say later, there's no good in me. And that's exactly what I experienced. At 21 years old, I recognized that my life was death. What I called life was death. And I said, Lord, if you can do anything with it, I give it to you. Sitting in my father's driveway at age 21, March 1981, I said, Lord, it's yours. Take from me this life of death. And he was good at his word. 
He transformed me. And a few months later, I learned this passage. I learned what had happened in that transactional moment when a burden was lifted, when I saw the world in different, through different eyes and with a different perspective. Prior to that date, when I said, Jesus Christ, I confess you as Lord, March 1981, prior to that date, I was going through a rough patch at school. Someone handed me a Bible and said, hey, read this. I opened it up and it made no sense to me. Have you been there? Has anyone been there? You opened it up and the words of life made no sense because you're dead and you don't know what it says. You don't understand what it says. But when you come to that recognition that Jesus Christ is Lord and somebody's preached that wonderful truth and someone's told you about the love of Jesus and you've accepted his heart and life for yours and in translation for yours, you come to the point where you're alive and now all of a sudden the word makes sense. It comes to life. Why? Because it was dead before? No, because you're alive now. We say that, don't we? It came to life, right? Something came to life. Why does the Word of God come alive to me? Because I'm alive. I'm alive. Now it's alive, and it made sense, and it was rich, and it was wonderful, and it was affirming, and it was refreshing, and it made my soul sing because now I was alive reading something that was alive. As a young man, I remember uh, at this university that I was at, I was, again, a wrecking ball of life. I made enemies, Paul says, about the world that's death. They hate one another, and they go around being hated. That's the world we live in, right? Can, we, can I get an amen on that one, <laughs> right? A world that hates each other and is hated in return. That's the world we live in because it's a world of death, and that's the world I was living in. That's the life I was living. It was a dead life. And I remember I could make no sense of relationships. I could not understand how to have a relationship with another person, let alone a man or a woman. I could not understand how to have a good friend. I could not understand how to have a girlfriend. And I remember walking out onto a ledge where we were sunning ourselves, and I was asking a friend of mine who had a girlfriend, you know, how do you do this? What do you do? And I remember he mumbled something, and he didn't have any clue either. Even... <laughs> Even though he had a per, uh, permanent girlfriend, I, but I tell you how much he didn't have a clue. They married and then five years later divorced. He didn't have a clue. None of us knew. We didn't know. We were in darkness, right? And so the second thing that passes away, the next passage for us is, not only have we gone from death to life, we've begun from darkness into light. Read this with me. Let's read it together so that we can all participate. You were formerly darkness. And let's just pause right there. Let's just let that sink in. You were, past tense, formerly, past tense, darkness. If you're in Christ, darkness is past tense for you. That's in something in the past. You were formerly darkness, but let's continue. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Notice it didn't say you're in the light. It says you are the light. Isn't that what Jesus said to us? We are the light of the world. Amen? We are light, not just in the light, but we are light. So I remember coming up to this young man asking him, how do I get into a relationship? How do I, how do I find the path to that relationship piece that I'm missing in my life? Well, being in the light, not only being in the light, but being light, two years later, I find the woman of my dreams, and we've been married now 34 years. Praise the Lord. Why? Because... I had suddenly become more handsome or attractive than I had been? No, it's because I understood what it means and how to be in a relationship. I understood and found the path to light because there was light. The things that had been dark to me, joy, 
peace, patience, relationship, love, kindness. All those were dark. Those spiritual things that we're dead to and that are dark to us now become illuminated to us when we're in Christ. Darkness becomes light, and we see the way to joy. We see the way to peace. We see the way to love. We see the way to lasting relationships that heretofore had been covered, darkened. We couldn't find them. We groped in the dark looking for them without being able to find them, and the light came, and the path opens up. Some of you may have come this morning, a couple of you I know we've been praying for, maybe facing something that's so deep and, and, and troublesome and, and terrifying that, that you don't know how you're going to deal with it. Well, say this to yourself. Remind this is true of you. If you're in Christ, this is true of you. You are light. And though you may be walking this moment in the valley of the shadow of death, there's no evil to fear, for God is with you. And around the bend, the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the light of God, the light of the life of Christ. For the scripture says, in him was life, and the life was what? The light of men, right? That life can illuminate that path that you can take, need to take to solve that, solve that problem, solve that issue, find resolution to your problem. Maybe today you're in a shadow, but you are light don't let the devil tell you otherwise. You are light in Christ if you have made that confession of faith. If you've made that profession that Jesus is Lord, there's light. And the way to joy and the way to peace and the way to, to truth and the way to eternity is illuminated by the light that Jesus brings and puts in us. We're no longer darkness. We no longer have to grope trying to find our way through the world. We no longer have to, to grope wondering how we'll get from point to point. We may be in shadow for a while, through trials, through tribulations. We may be in the valley for a time, but that means there will be a moment when we'll come around the bend, when we'll go up over the rise, and the light will dawn and we'll see. We are the light. Darkness has passed away. Darkness has passed away. Light has come. You see, a world that's in death is also in darkness, isn't it? And so our world does not know the way to peace. You can have a thousand different peace conferences, but it's not education you need, it's illumination. You can have a thousand conferences to tell you how to have joy or peace, but it's not education that man needs, it's illumination. Because the way to those things, the way to spiritual things, are not found by human means. They're not found by human attempts, joy and peace, the things that truly make living worth living. Not cars and things and houses and homes and the things that make life life are found through the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our world struggles. We, we find ourselves scratching our head when the answer seems so obvious, to us at least, and our leaders choose another option. When the answer seems so obvious to our loved ones who may be in the darkness and we scratch our head. And it's not that they need more education, loved ones. It's not that they need more information. It's they need illumination. They need to be in Christ. For even the simplest man in Christ is wiser than the wisest man of the world. Can I say that again? Paul says that, doesn't he? You will judge angels. <laughs> even the least of the saints. Jesus said the greatest there's not been a greater born in the world than John the Baptist, Baptist, excuse me, but he that's least in the kingdom is greater than him. 
And what kingdom is that? That's the kingdom that we've been translated into out of where? Out of the domain of darkness. A simple man in Christ is wiser than the wisest of men without. Which leads us to the third thing. We've come out of the flesh into the spirit, right? You, however, are not in the flesh, if, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. And what's true about those who put their faith in Jesus Christ? What's true about those who've confessed Jesus as Lord? He sent his spirit to them to dwell in them, right? The truth is that when we make Jesus Christ Lord, when we say to him, Lord, my life is yours, do with it as you will. You are my Lord when I confess him as Lord, when I believe the center of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on my behalf and was raised again by the power of God. When I believe that truth, the good news of the gospel, the good news continues right on with this truth that I am not in the flesh then, but in the spirit. For the spirit of God has come to dwell in me. Now, when Paul uses the word flesh, he uses it in a very specific way. There are two words that, to talk about the world that we live in, the physical world. One is the Greek word soma, which he uses to talk about our bodies. For even though, as I mentioned to you at the beginning, even though all things have become new, he's talking about spiritual things, not physical things. Our bodies don't become new. Our bodies will wear out, and they will be rolled up like a tent. But then we will have a building made from God, Scripture says, right? A spiritual body, an eternal body, a wonderful body. So we're not talking about the physical world. The other word is flesh, and so, that's the word the sarx, the, the, the Greek word for sarx. And, and I can't define it very well. A lot of theologians have tried to define it, and it's a very challenging word to define. But basically, it has to do with everything that pertains to the glory of man. And remember this, the best of men are only men at best. So if you're looking for an illustration of what sarx or what flesh is, you need only look at the centers of the glories of man, the political centers the industry centers, the entertainment centers. That's flesh. Hollywood, Washington, D.C., New York, Paris, the places where men's glory is most often found, that's the description of flesh. But the works of the flesh, Paul said, are what? Fornication, which then shouldn't surprise us that we're hearing stories out of Silicon Valley of orgies of the worst kind. Are these men educated? They're some of the most brilliant minds in the world. They've created this, this eye world that we live in. But it's not education that they need, it's illumination. It's not flesh that they should celebrate, but spirit, because flesh destroys. Because read on in Galatians, the fifth chapter, the works of the flesh are not only fornication and adultery, but they're things like witchcraft and enmity and hatred and malice all the things that go along with that. Do you know why the Republicans and the Democrats don't love each other? They're in the flesh. The works of the flesh are enmity, strife, division. All the things that we talk about tribalism being. We're a tribal world. Why are we a tribal world? Because we live, if we're not in Christ, in the world, and the world is a world of flesh. It's a world of flesh, and it separates, divides, because the works of the flesh are division, carnality, all the litany of things that you'll find there in Galatians 5, if you want to look at that. 
So we can't look for answers in Washington. Can't look for answers in Hollywood. Can't look for answers in any center of, of the world because the men there live in the flesh. Now, thankfully, by the grace of God, they stumble across answers now and then. Can you raise your hand and say, thank you, Jesus? Every once in a while, they do the right thing. But every twice a day, every broken clock gives the right time. Right? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And so the things that work from the spirit, that come from the spirit, should come from us. Which are what? The fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, temperance, kindness, self-control. Self-control. As I mentioned to you, I was a wrecking ball. Could not keep my hormones under control. Could not keep my thoughts under control. Could not keep my actions under control. Anybody been there but me? You are, you are a one-man wrecking crew. Everything I touched, I was the, I was the antithesis of Croesus. You know, the, the guy that touched everything and it turned to gold? I touched everything and it turned to... Well, the stuff they flushed down the toilet, you know what I'm saying? I touched that and it turned, I was a wrecking crew. I made it miserable for everybody because I was dead, I was in the dark, and I was in the flesh. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? You know anybody like that? Is that your world? Have you come from that world and are you celebrating and thanking Jesus you're not in that world anymore? But I was dead, I was dark, and I was in the flesh, and I ruined people's lives and I ruined my own life because I didn't have any self-control. And so if my mind thought it, I did it. You know, my hero was Blutarski in Animal House. If we can ride a motorcycle up the stairs, let's ride a motorcycle up the stairs. If we can break into the president's office and throw a goat in there, let's do that. If we can shove enough firecrackers up a duck and send it up and explode in another fraternity house, let's do that. Any stupid thing that came into my mind, I had an IQ that bordered on brilliance. I had a test score that was better than 98 plus percent of the United States, but I could not keep my mind from thinking stupid thoughts that I acted on stupidly and got people into trouble. Why? Because I'm in the flesh. And the flesh has no power. Life has power. Life has power. Death has no power. We talk about that, don't we? We talk about a switch that's what, dead? What does that mean? There's no power in it. We talk about something that's dead. There's no life. There's no energy. There's no strength. So when life comes, energy now, power of God comes, the power of the Spirit is now to dwell within us so that we might enjoy love and peace, that though we might dwell in that and find that our native environment, we find that our native sphere, because now we're no longer in that other one, but we're in the last one, which brings me to my last point. We've gone from now death to life. We've gone from darkness to light. If we're in Christ, we've gone from flesh to spirit, right? And lastly, and there are many others we could bring in this morning, but lastly, we've gone from sin to righteousness. In this same passage that I began with, we find this verse that ends that wonderful chapter of 2 Corinthians 5. I commend it to your committing it to memory. One of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5. I found it early in my faith, and I know I'm walking with Jesus now because of it. 
And it says this to end that chapter. He, speaking of God the Father, made him, speaking of God the Son, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He was perfect in all of his ways, right? Made like unto us in all of his ways, but except for one thing, he was without sin. But God made him to be sin. Not made him a sinner. Didn't make him to sin. It made him to be sin. He embodied the entire sin of the world and therefore its penalty. So on the cross as he suffered, he was suffering for sin and because of sin. He was not suffering for anything he had done, not suffering for any crime that he had committed. He is suffering because he was sin at that moment, and the penalty for sin was being placed on him. Isaiah 53. Why for us on our behalf? On our behalf. That's why he died. On our behalf. So why? So that we might become the new thing, the righteousness of God in him, in Christ, in him. So the old thing was sin. You were dead, the scripture says, in, the, in your trespasses and your sins. You were the child of sin. Your fathers before you had sinned. You were the heir of sin. I had sinned mightily. I had broken every one of the Ten Commandments. That's what part of sin is. Part of sin is lawlessness, right? John says that sin is lawlessness. I broke every one of the ten. Some are righteous, some are self-righteous, thinking that because they kept half of them, they're okay. Remember that rich young ruler? He comes to Jesus and he says, which one should I keep? Which, which law should I keep? What did Jesus say to him? You know, the, you know the commandments. Love your father and mother. Don't commit murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness, right? He said, all those I've kept from my, from my youth up. And Jesus says, you lack one thing. Why did he lack one thing? Because he had not kept the first commandment. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. He loved money more than he loved God. See, in his mind, he was righteous. Folks, in the world's mind, they are righteous. They use words like righteous. They use words like love. But they don't use them in the same way the Father uses them. They don't use them in the same way the Son uses them. We talk about love. If I can just digress for just a minute. That's a word that's often heard in our discussions recently in our sexual uh, implosion that we're bringing upon ourselves in our sexual revolution that's coming to the point where men are marrying men and women women and men are becoming women and women are men and we hear that we should be able to love anyone and that's the reason we have freedom to do whatever but they don't use love the same way God uses love because when you're dead love means this I love steak do I love steak to do good to steak do I love steak to sacrifice myself for steak? Do I love steak so that I can bring steak into righteousness? Or do I love steak because I want to consume steak? You understand how that's used, right? I can love something for myself. I can love it so that I can consume it on my lust, so that I can consume it on my belly, so that I can consume it on my loins. But that's not what God calls love. But when you're in sin, up is down and right is left and backward is forward and you've turned it all upside down. That's what Paul says in Romans, the first chapter, right? They call evil good and good evil because they're in sin. They don't know the right definition 
of anything. And when I was in sin, I didn't know right from wrong, and yet I thought I did. I was a volunteer at my local school. I was a volunteer for Special Olympics. I tried to do good, but in the back end of my day, I was fornicating. I was drunken. And in one of my fornications, it created a child. Do you know what I did with that child? Because I was dead and in darkness and in the flesh. I killed that child. And so I came to Jesus Christ who died for me, who was killed because I killed, who died because I put to death. And I said, I am a wrecking ball of a man. I need a change. And I didn't need a change to be a better me because I knew being a better me would just end up being the same me. I needed to be a completely different me. And that's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. You don't have to be the same you. Today, the first Sunday of 2018, you can be a new you, a new you in Christ. Death passes away, life comes. Eternity now in your heart. Darkness passes, light comes. Now the way to the righteous paths of life are available and clear to you. You don't have to be in the flesh anymore, confident in your own education, confident in your own ability, confident in your own crap, if I can be so crass and blunt. But I can be confident in him, he who loved me and gave himself for me. To finish, I'm a Protestant by nature, which means I love my Catholic brothers, I just can't be like them. <laughs> means that I, I, I love them, I've got great friends, but I can't agree with many of the doctrines. And one of the doctrines that the Catholic Church has is that they make saints, right, after a lifetime of good works, and they determine what this person or this person did or didn't do, and then does that qualify them for sainthood? Because we're the righteousness of God in him, the Scripture calls us saints today. This whole letter to the, first, to the Corinthians begins in 1 Corinthians, and the very first words that Paul says to that church, to the Corinthian church, which is very much like an American church, is, I'm greeting you, saints, not by achievement, not by effort, but saints by calling, because God has called you saints, holy ones, because you're in Christ, that's how God sees you. That's what God calls you. And faith, faith, which is in that 2 Corinthians 5 chapter, we walk by what? Faith and not by sight, tells us that we must, by hearing the Word of God, agree with, embrace, discover what the Word of God says about us. And this morning, if you're in Christ, I've shared four powerful, wonderful, truthful, life-transforming scriptures that if you will believe what they say and not what you feel and not what your parents say about you and not what your friends say about you, you will discover a brand new you that Christ has made and created and that you haven't earned. We become saint-like because we're saints. We don't become saints because we're saint-like. Right? 
I speak English because I was born in an English-speaking world. Speaking English doesn't make me American. I do saint-like things because I've been called a saint. I do righteousness because I've been called righteous. It's not my own effort. Remember way back at the beginning, we're new what creatures, creations. God has acted upon us. It is now Christianity is not now trying to be better, trying to be a better person, trying to do it a little better each day, which always ends in failure. No, it's about being a new person, a new creation, seeing ourselves as God has seen us and testifying and compelling ourselves by faith to agree with, that's confession, agree with what God has said. And God says, you're no longer darkness, you're no longer death, you're no longer flesh, and you're no longer in sin, but you're in righteousness. Now, does that mean I'm preaching perfectionism? No. Listen to me. If, as illustration, if by some magic tomorrow I said, you know what, I hate being an American, I hate living in Indiana, I want somewhere where there's paved roads everywhere, I, I want... I want more food options, you know, I want rolling hills, I want rivers that are blue, I want, you know, all that. And by some miracle of magic, I woke up as a Canadian in all of those places, food, I don't think they're very good at food, but if I woke up in a place like that with a new identity and a new reality and a new place to live, and yet one day I decided, you know what, I really like fireworks. And I really like July 4th, and the Canadians don't have any July 4th celebration. I'd really like to go back to Indiana, right, and celebrate 4th of July. But I don't have a passport, and I don't have a visa, and I snuck over the border, Indiana. What would I be doing? To give you a hint, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses be trespassing so as a new believer I can go back into death I can go back into darkness I can go back in the flesh read the New Testament the writers of the New Testament were pleading with their churches don't go back into the flesh Paul pleads with the with the Corinthians this way to John John pleads with them don't walk in darkness walk in the light you're not your children of light you can go back. You can trespass back there if you like, but that's not you. It's not me anymore. I'm not that wrecking ball anymore. I'm not the one who made life miserable for others. I'm not the death eater that I was for those Harry Potter fans among you. I'm life because of Christ. I'm light because I'm a new creation. I'm in the flesh, in the spirit because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me, and I'm the righteousness of God in him because a holy God only fathers holy children. We've been born, the scripture said, of the spirit. Of the, what kind of spirit? The Holy Spirit. And a holy father and a holy spirit births holy children. That's why as the musicians come, and I pray for you for 2018. That's why Paul in two separate places, one's in Ephesians, one in Colossians, reminds the church, begs the church to put off the old man. Put off the death man, the dark man, the fleshly man, the righteous, the sinful man. Put off that man and put on the new man. I've just described who you and I are in Christ. The scriptures have described who we are. That's the man we're to put on every day. That's the man we're to understand and believe we're made to be. 
not only that we want to be, but that God has made us to be. For we tell, the Scripture says that we are created in the image of Him, in the likeness of Him, who is perfect Himself, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. That's how we've been made. Put off the old, put on the new. So they're going to worship. I'm going to come back and pray. And I pray that you would have a wonderful 2018. Please stand and join us while we worship. And if you, if you've heard from God, don't take that lightly. Something that God inspired you to receive today has moved you. If you, you say, you know, that is right. I, I want to be that new creation. God has made me for something so much more. If that's you, I really encourage you to come down and pray. We'll have uh, our prayer team, if you would come down and be available for anyone who might want to come and pray. Come down. We'll be happy to pray with you. Don't miss an opportunity to encounter a God who will make you something new as you worship. David's right. I hope that if you came today and you can't even stand yourself like I couldn't stand myself, that you don't think that I've been so bad that God can't take me in. God loves you so much. I hope you can feel his heart for you. He knows you were born in death. He knows you were raised in sin. He knows you were in darkness. He knows you did deeds of darkness. He knows you were a person of the flesh, but that's the reason he died for you. That's the reason he hung on that cross for you, so you could be a new person. Not just a better form of the old you, but a new you. If you've come today and you say, I want to be a new you, I'd love to pray with you. If you can just sing that one, just a few more seconds, and we can do that. But if there's anyone this morning who says, I want to be a new person, not just a better person, a new person, I'd love to pray with you. If you're here and you say, thank God, I've been a new person, I pray that you would go forth with joy and let the trees of the field clap their hands, amen, at God's wonderful, marvelous work that he does in taking people like us and transforming us by his power taking dark, dirty, ugly people and making them new by his glorious power. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? Let the trees of the field clap their hands. Let's go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Amen. But if you're here today and you'd say, I want, I want that new life, I, I'd love to pray with you. If there's no one, praise God, enjoy. May 2018 be a day or a year that every day you're saying, I'm going to put off the old man and put on the new. By the glory and the power of God, may it be so. Amen.